Take two. It's Ken Dashow's okay. Beatle Revolution. One, two, three, four. On iHeartRadio. Ken Dashow's Beatles Revolution, number 49. 49, 49. It's always number nine. And this week... On the anniversary in August of them shooting that infamous Abbey Road cover, walking away from the little white EMI Studios building on the Abbey Road, I thought we'd discuss not just the Beatle album covers, but all the album covers. And it's not just something like for the 60s and all the cool album covers, but I want multi-generational input here. <laughs> so we've got uh, young Andrew, our producer, Hello. being here. How old are you, Mr. McDonough? 29. You're 29. And I asked Big E to join us. When I was a boy, we played wax cylinders and we <laughs> liked it. <laughs> so, But this is a point of reference for everybody listening. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 49. Okay, so here's the thing. We have you know big differences in our age groups. I grew up buying albums, and when you listen to the music, you studied the album. You studied mm -hmm. the picture. You opened the liner notes. If there was just a picture inside, the point was to bring you in to the world visually of the album. It was a pop album. It was just a pretty picture of the star. He was handsome or the girl was gorgeous. And all those 60s, like sexy jazz covers, like Herb Alpert, Whipped Cream was a half-naked girl in Whipped Cream. They're always in like <laughs> Whipped Cream. It was a it was a genre of album cover. And they're, they're all diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> but rock albums always had a story to tell. And a lot of times the artists who created these album covers uh, think Storm Thorgerson for all the Pink Floyd album covers and Richard Scarry's drawings. And whoever did your album cover, that was your type of guy, psychedelic or whatever. And here's this guy, Mr. McDonald, who they decide to take this picture. Getting back together to make this last album was like, they said, like climbing Mount Everest. And the story in the studio was, hey, let's call it Everest. Hey, let's go to Everest. Yeah, we'll take a helicopter. We'll be on the mountaintop, and we'll do this, and we'll get the climbing gear. Yeah, that'll be great. And everybody was psyched. And Ringo, being Ringo, says, why don't we just go outside and take a picture? <laughs> oh, okay, we could do that, too. Yeah, we could. That's probably yeah. a little easier. Yeah. And it's one of those, you know, for that last moment of inspirational, crazy burst of Beatles, and Ringo goes, oh, Screw that. Just it, it's our last chance to spend some of their money. <laughs> exactly. No, no, we'll take a picture. So an early Sunday morning, they get a photographer who gets up on a ladder, and only four pictures are taken, walking to and from, and Linda took some cool pictures of them, you know, like getting ready, and Paul adjusting John's collar, and an old lady, like, coming by and fixing John's collar, which is really cool. And here's this iconic picture of them it, it almost looks like it was drawn. It's so perfect. Walking away from the studio as if for the last time. And I remember seeing it as a little kid going, they're leaving. And they look kind of grim. You know, nobody's smiling and waving at the camera. It's like, yeah, screw this. We're walking away. And yet the music was so gorgeous. But that's the power of an album cover to me. They're also not talking to each other. They're not really even looking at each other. Yeah, when you think about the early pictures, they're always in a group. And then as you go, even Sgt. Pepper's, they're standing side by side in a group. And then we get, you know, there's Let It Be, four separate pictures. We're separate. Everything's white mm -hmm. album. There's no pictures of us because the only picture would be us punching each other out. So And Paul forgot his shoes, of course. So you want to get into that first? Shall we talk about, <laughs> as long as you mentioned, Biggie talked about the shoes. Um, 
So I love this album cover, and it was so. And we were studying it, and there's a Volkswagen, and there's a guy in the back standing there looking, and who's standing, by the way, right at my friend's house at Twenty Abbey Road, where I stay whenever I go to London, which is really weird. That that's does he have a I pellet am. gun, by the way, <laughs> to like shoot the tourists who insist on clogging that road? As Ralph, my friend Ralph, has done very well for himself. He is quite comfortable in this life who said to me you know with all the companies i've bought and sold i start to think if i had sat in a chair and said take your picture five quid probably have about the same amount of money as i do now he's like yeah you're not you're right he said when your street corner is the second most popular attraction in all of london it just is he said and all these people that should put a street light up he goes no ruin it just leave it just leave it that's what it is leave it and when you stay there and you see these zombies just kind of coming and everybody walks around the neighborhood. Everybody in St. John's Wood just says to, you can see tourists a mile away now they've been there a lot and they just go, two blocks to your left. No, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> as somebody, as a group are walking with a map, you go, going the wrong way. Oh, thank you. Because everybody's got their, have their so, picture taken. Uh, I was just showing Andrew something I pulled up. Is there a more parodied or exploited album cover ever no and, and some of them in just great ways and i i remember actually uh, just about a year ago being at the museum of natural history we did the sleepover at the museum with my kids right 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 which was a blast right like night at the museum and, and one of the things i give you is a half an hour in the gift shop before the place opens the next morning just to yourselves so you can nice. really walk around and see things so there is a museum of natural history t-shirt and it's it's the dinosaurs crossing with in the, the zebra font crossing and and then the uh, so who who's first in, in order there? It's John. You should know this. Okay, You're so, our program director. Well, I'm I'm just looking at this. I want okay. I want to coordinate. So John is just some little purple dinosaur I don't recognize. Next is Ringo T Rex. Next Paul uh, Diplodocus or Brachiosaurus. You can't tell the, those those big guys don't usually go up on all fours, but whatever. And then uh, of course George is the Stegosaurus. Nice. So, mm. um, but you know that's what happens when you make the most iconic impression on people with with your art from and, the Simpsons to to the Ruddles to everything in mm -hmm. in between. And, and and maybe the next most parodied cover is Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. Yes. Very much. Because to me, that's my number one album cover. But for it's, it's harder. <laughs> it's yes. a yeah. lot harder. You need to do more stuff. More expensive but, to print but, that one. But while we're on this subject of the Abbey Road cover, um, Andrew, do you know about the legend about this is the ultimate hint that Paul is dead? Do you, do you know this? Yeah, myth? I know there's, I don't know exactly what the supposed clues are, but I'm aware. Do you know of... this, E? Because he's not wearing shoes. No, John is in white. Ringo is dressed in a black suit. Paul is in a suit with no shoes, and George is in denim, jeans and a work shirt. So John is the priest, Ringo is the undertaker, Paul is the corpse with no shoes, and George in the denim is the, the, grave, the digger. grave digger. Yeah. And Paul is out of step with the other three. Everybody else has their left foot forward, Paul has his right foot forward. So, Your Honor, clearly, without a yeah. doubt. I, I'm guessing Paul just couldn't find his shoes. No, he had sandals on. He, when he just did the Ask Paul questions from Abbey Road, he just, you know, like we do live Facebook, mm -hmm. he did questions uh, from Abbey Road, what's it like being back there and walking across the, the zebra crossing. And he said, you know, it's fun because Paul lives in the neighborhood. Paul lives on Cavendish, like two blocks away, and he's got the biggest house you've ever seen, but that doesn't surprise you, with a really strong, tall gate, which also doesn't surprise <laughs> you. Um and, but he lives there. He goes to the smoke shop. He, he takes the train. He'll get on the tube and go. 
But he said every time I cross it, you know, you can't not think of it. He goes, the whole world thinks about it. How could I not? And he adds, and by the way, if you pan down, it's a very hot day in London, and I'm wearing sandals like I was that day. And I just took them off because it was feeling uncomfortable because it was hot. So I walked across the street barefoot because it was hot and I was wearing sandals. <laughs> and that's the only reason I took them off. And he's smiling but glaring at the camera, going, like, oh, that's what they that's what they told yeah, you. The sure, replacement, Paul. Exactly. Whatever you say. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then the license plate on the Volkswagen that says 28IF. You know, of course, mm -hmm. he would have been 29 forget that but well we'll let that go but it's 28 if by the way the guy who had that car which had it stolen the day after like the album came out and he thought off oh, some kids well after the sixth time he replaced his license and <laughs> the british bureau of transportation said we're not printing up any more licenses for you he goes but it's my license he goes this is it's pointless what <laughs> you got to change your license so he couldn't get 28 if anymore and it just became you know, a souvenir. It's just a, a yeah. mock-up now, like as if your license said New York City. You know, it's sold on every street corner. And the guy in the background, Paul, who's standing by the police car staring at them, was a tourist from, like, Minnesota. He was an American. And his wife was just wandering around shopping to see if any stores were open, so he thought he'd take a walk. And he was just walking down Abbey Road, sees a guy on a ladder on a Sunday morning taking pictures of four people and says to the policeman, what's all this? And the guy says, taking pictures of a rock band. Oh. Hmm. And you go on your merry way. Little do you know, you are now in <laughs> history for all the world. You're the guy in the back as people try to figure out, is it Aleister Crowley? Is it, now who, who is it that is, no, it was, it was a George guy. George <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but you're in. But again, they're walking away from Abbey Road and watching the people stand there. And when you go by, Here's the Paul even wrote in the early days about all these people who write books about it. How do they know when, when they weren't there? We were going back to our friend's house. It was Christmas Eve, and we had just gone shopping at Tesco's. Me and Jane and going back to change clothes because we were going to a friend's house for Christmas Eve dinner. And as we're crossing that that corner by the zebra crossing, there's a tour guide giving the history and telling the story of how it became called Abbey Road, the album cover, and the Everest story. And he got it completely wrong. And this is the guy they were paying to tell him the story. Oops. And I'm looking at Jane. Jane's looking at me like, you're going to say something? I'm like, nah, it's Christmas Eve. Why say, why why tell a group, you know, this guy's an idiot. You should get your money back. And besides, we had to go. You know, we, mm -hmm. you have to be somewhere. And I thought, well, Christmas Eve, I'll let it go. And I told Jeff Emmerich, who is the engineer, like, they used your name and told this whole story about you and you, you, told them how to do the photo shoot and he's like people are saying that who who says that I'm like the tour guide outside happy road he's like ah crap <laughs> and that's how that's how misinformation you yeah. should excuse me you know fake news becomes legend because you tell it often enough that i mean Fair that's enough. that's his truth okay but so that's abbey road but my number one beetle album cover is what andrew mentioned before nothing before or since has ever been sergeant pepper's Nobody ever had an idea like that. I mean, they came up with a fake band. Let's not be the Beatles anymore. Let's be Sgt. Pepper. So we'll take a picture of them on the album. And looking around, you know, they're, they're really into avant-garde art. Mm -hmm. And they come up with this idea, let's just create 
an image of everybody you want to sort of be in the band. Who would you want? Name your, name your top five. Of course. Right, Gandhi. <laughs> and Edgar Allan Poe and W.C. Fields and Lenny Bruce and Mae West and Marilyn Monroe. And, of course, John Lennon wanted Hitler. And they said, could we possibly not have him in the band? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is, like, you, we haven't had enough shit with your comment about Jesus. We're going to do this now? So they talked him out of that. Do you know who's missing? Do you know, the, like, the, the one person who's missing? Next to the, between, uh, between uh, um, right next to the, uh, three away from Dylan on the top right. It was. The, the blank, there's the, the blank spot, right? Yeah, the yeah. blank spot. It was, it was Leo Hall. Leo Gorsi, Hunts Hall, they wanted the Bowery Boys. Okay. Let him watch them as a kid, and he said, pay me. <laughs> so they just put an outline. Yeah, so they just yeah. like erased him. And they, that's good. That's how it goes. Even back then, he was talking about merchandising. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the other clue on the cover of Abbey Road. There's the P underneath the Beatles in yellow flowers. Mm, See, that's for the dead, dead Paul. Clearly, yeah. it's not a guitar or anything. And there's an open hand behind Paul's head on the album cover, which uh-huh. is the symbol of death in... The ancient pre-Mayan civilization. I mean, they just were looking for anything they could oh find. <laughs> but, I mean... It's something, though. Yeah, nobody... I mean, when again, what we talk about, and here's where I needed people of different ages. When you look at this album, before you even put it on, you know this is not going to sound like Twist and Shout. There is no Please Please Me on this album just looking at how they're dressed and the colors and the Indian colors and the flowers... Like, this is going to be insane. Yeah, because, you know, generationally speaking, you know, I was born the year after that album came out. Okay. Um, well, about a year. Uh, Six, I was born in seven. Yeah. So, yeah, so about a year years. and a half, I think. You uh, obviously were born long after it, but you being a musician, you probably have the... This is Andrew. I'm pointing at. I know this. Is, you can't. You know, in radio, you have to kind of say. You know, Andrew, Andrew being a musician uh, can understand the place in history of the album. I, being in this business for 30 years, can understand the place. Um, that this album was made in a way that an album had never been made before. It invented multi-tracking. It invented, you know, backward, you know, clipping out things, putting them backwards. All the stuff you can do on Pro Tools in about three seconds right now. They invented it as they went along. And we know that, but that's why we know it's different, but you didn't even have to know that to to be able to figure that out. That's what the album cover conveyed, right. that, that this was something entirely new in general. Um, you know, it, it's just the, the art. You can't judge a book by its cover, except sometimes you can. Right. <laughs> and in this case, you could. Hire an avant-garde artist, Peter Blake, and say to him, as opposed to tell him, here's what we want, you say, here's the concept of what we're doing musically. What's your take on the cover? <laughs> And that you know that was how creative it was that you would you would go see a person's work. It's really a and cut go, and paste album. Yeah, so let's and it's a what, cut and paste cover. Yeah, let's see so. what you would do. And they shot it, and then afternoon took them a, a few weeks to do it and put it up on you know on on board and cut that all out. And they stand there and and you know so at the last minute there was that Rolling Stones doll and somebody says, hey, let's throw in the Rolling Stones doll, <laughs> just because they're kind of in. I, I don't know if that's tweet that was, was that John tweaking the stones? No, I think it was replacement Paul. It was his idea. <laughs> going like cuz you know there was a rivalry going and and the stones at that point are saying like as as John said, where does he get off saying all those tardy things about the Beatles when he wrote his first song for him and even wrote his second record for him and I'm taking the expletives out of that. And you know, so that was a way of saying yeah, you're in the Beatles. You're you're part mm. of the Beatles, which again, that's my interpretation of it. Um 
But I grew up with album covers. Andrew, I'm certain like you, you never had albums growing up, right? You didn't have vinyl albums around. The vinyl albums were on top of a shelf, and they were mostly show tunes and opera belonging to my father. And okay. mostly just like pictures of a guy. Right. Just yeah. a guy. Just a guy or like a piano or, a, you know, a, a theater. And they weren't very interesting. No. So I Factual. grew up mostly with, uh, with CD covers, which, as we were talking about um, when we were first throwing around the subject... The problem with CD covers is you don't you don't sit down with it and look at it. It's smaller, everything's smaller. You kind of just want to get the idea of it. Um, what I would do was I would open up the booklets and I would oftentimes read the uh, read the lyrics, read the liner notes as I was listening. You'd have to, to do what I did right here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have the CDs out in front of me that I wanted to. To touch on, and I have already pulled out the inserts because there was no other way to look at it, yeah. which is uh, kind of criminal. So, so Eric Wellman's right in the middle. Did you have albums? I am. Did you ever buy am, an album? It, it, yeah, absolutely. Really, and I, am, I am transitional, um, in the weirdest ways for this conversation. Like you couldn't have picked a better person. That's why we wanted you. You know, first of all, my parents, you know, were um, were boomers. Um, actually, not quite boomers. They were just ahead of boomers. Um, you know, dad was born 1940, mom was born 1944. So yeah, I mean, they grew up in the fifties. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly uh, young adults in the sixties and seventies, they had extensive album collections. And a lot of what I had in my house on vinyl was, you know, was really the rock and roll of the day. Um, you know, the biggest things. And then I have one of those here. I'll talk about in a second. Uh, and then I bought a few, my friends had lots of them, and what I used to do is dub them onto cassettes. Sure. Because, you know, it was cheaper to get a you box of it. blank Max L's and take uh, 20 of his albums. I'll get them back in a week. Let me go dub them. Um, and then from that point forward, you know, I got to college in 1987, and I started working at the radio station there in 1988 in January. And when I started working, we were about 90% vinyl and 10% this new thing called CDs. And it was fascinating. And I, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. I knew how to queue up a record. I knew how to slip queue a live album. I knew how to do all those things because I had to. Excellent. Because most of our stuff was vinyl. And then by the time I graduated, four years later, by the grace of God, it should have been a lot longer than four <laughs> years, uh, it was about 90% CD and about 10% vinyl. We still had all the vinyl. It sat you know, in a back archive and we only had the things we hadn't replaced by that point. But, you know, my college station was actually a, a regular, you know, rock station. It just was run by the kids. It was a crazy place. But we had transitioned from CD to vinyl in the four years I was there almost entirely. And it was, um, it was, it was quite uh, bizarre. And I miss having, you know, it's like when you look at the art on a postcard and then you go to the museum and see the painting. It's that it's that different to me, right? And and I miss it. And you know, when I look at these things in front of me, um, it's interesting because there's only one thing here that is that is newer than I guess 1979. The wall um, it was 1980. Is here the only thing newer than that is Nirvana. Um, I don't know if there were any good album covers in the 80s. I just don't really. <laughs> none of them came. I'm sure there were. Right. None of them but, came to mind. Right. But the the but, focus changed because as it got to CDs, right. the whole idea was well. Now, how much money do we have to spend for that cover art if you can barely see it? Yeah. What we need is a big picture of the group 
of a guy's right. face. Were, were there more like logo covers in the 80s? Like I think of Appetite for Destruction. Yes. Yeah. That's sort of an iconic cover. I don't think it's that great. It's more really graphic just design. Like a, yeah, yeah, it's a graphic design. Well, really. you know, my earliest memory of a vinyl album cover well, first of all, there was my copy. You asked if I bought things. Yes, I bought things. I had Steve Martin's Wild and Crazy Guy. Excellent. Him wearing the fake arrow through the head and the bunny ears. And, and that was that was my vinyl. I listened to that all the time, and I still remember the bits. And it, and it was, you know, you had the needle drop exactly right to get it on there. But I always wanted to hear him talk about how he learned how to speak French, and he practiced omelette du fromage, omelette du fromage. And I went to mm-hmm. Paris, and I sat down, and I ordered them a waiter. And apparently I said, I'd like a shoe with cheese on it, and I want to massage your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I, that was my first vinyl. But another vinyl, the one that sticks out more than anything from my parents' collection, is this one, which is the Rolling Stones' "Sticky Fingers." Ah, and the do reason you remember being, the original vinyl. I, this is why I brought it in. Andrew, because do you when know you, the Matt, what do you know was, about this album cover? This is this is Andrew in his twenties. What was so yeah. shocking so, about so Andy so Warhol sticky, took yeah. the picture? So "Sticky Fingers." It's basically you know the top. It's mixed of, crotch. Of someone's, you know, mm-hmm. of someone wearing jeans and a belt. You don't know it is Mick, and there's a zipper there. And if you had the album cover, and if you had an early edition oh, of the album cover, that zipper worked, and you could unzip the oh, zipper. Yeah, and yeah. then when you pulled out the album sleeve, it was the underwear. Right. And it was like the person without their pants on was inside, and that was the my mother had one with the working zipper, and I was like, she wanted to get into Mick Jagger's I, I pants. I guess, but that you know you can't. Even even on you can't do that here. You can't do this on a CD cover. And you certainly can't do it online. The visceral experience of having a zipper that you could pull up and down on an album cover. I mean, holy cow! That the must Rolling have Stones got into a lot of trouble with their album covers. Yeah. Yes. They they weren't Spinal Tap, but they were close. <laughs> Remember, they were the bad boys of rock <laughs> yeah, and roll. Right. Um, so that was my first and earliest. Uh, they were interactive where, ooh la la, where you would slide, like a children's picture book, the faces, mm-hmm. you would slide the insert up and down and the guy's expression changed on his face. He mm-hmm. would open and close his eyes. Alice Cooper, the school's out album was a school desk and you opened it like a school desk and the album, instead of being in a sleeve, was in a pair of pink thong panties. I'm 15 years old. You go, whoa. <laughs> exactly. Whoa. So now my my favorite band, uh, probably all time, I mean, there's so many that you could pick, but if I had to pick one, it's probably Pink Floyd. And I was first turned on to them by a $5 bootleg cassette bought in the village somewhere, like a flea market that was a copy of the Animals Tour. And it was only in one channel, unfortunately. It didn't stop me from listening to it. And it was phenomenal. It made me want to explore that band. And, you know, this little 10-year-old kid, like, found the wall because he heard this song that said, you don't need no education. I was like, yeah. And of course, let me go get that. And I got it. And I had the vinyl. And, you know, when you look at this, this is, you know, you talked about Storm Thorgerson, who we had in here a number of times, who's a genius of a man who did all the graphic stuff for all the Pink Floyd albums, except this one. This was not Storm. Right. This was Gerald Scarf. Right. And, you know, it's it's got the, you know, spray painty look on the cover, and it's just a white wall. And the back is a white wall with more spray, spray painty stuff. And right. if you opened it up, inside, there's all the iconic art from the movie and the judge and the... Uh, the mother and the school teacher and all those crazy Gerald Scarf illustrations that have become, you know, so iconic in the Pink Floyd lexicon 
And, uh, you know, Roger Waters still uses the big inflatables of these things in his shows. And but that was the inside of the double album cover. And if you looked at the outside, it's just a you never would have seen that happening. Right. And and then when you open it, it's like, whoa, that's behind the wall. And I was too young to see my pot on it. I'm sure plenty of <laughs> other people did. But I was only 10. I was young and, you know, you weren't lighting up naive. Yet, huh? No, 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 no. That was at least a year yeah. away. But uh, so that album cover. Amazing. The um, fast forward years later, this one. I was not a Grateful Again, Dead fan. Radio, you need yeah. to say it. I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it yet. I see. Just don't, don't. Let All me right. get to it. Just a tease, kind of. Yeah. So, people know I love the Grateful Dead. I'm not, you know, a, a on tour Deadhead, but I certainly have been a big fan for years. I wasn't until my first professional station when I inherited a Grateful Dead show, because it was making 75 bucks a week in the middle of nowhere, Vermont, and you know the tie dye, uh, the bright side tie dye shop in Brattleboro, Vermont, was paying us 75 bucks a week to do this show. I had a sales guy who had a collection of bootleg cassettes of Dead shows. Good enough. And he said, you know, you play one of those a week, and we make 75 bucks. And okay, uh, so I did. And ah, I, radio. And I said, I need to learn. And I learned, and I learned, and I learned, and I learned, and I got this particular album, which is American Beauty. And why does American Beauty mean something album cover-wise to me? Because that's where I learned how to draw a rose. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a beautiful rose on the cover of that, and that's one of the iconic dead, um, you know, uh, one of the dead icons. It's right. the rose, the steal your face, you know, skull thing, and the dancing bear, and the skeleton, or the four things that identify the dead. So we would actually give away a gift certificate to the bright dye tie-dye, bright side tie-dye shop, which is no longer there, you know, no free plugs. And, uh, and I would dub a copy of the bootleg and they would win that too. And I would actually draw on it and I would make like little roses and other things on their, on the cover of it nice. just to, because I had nothing better to do. And then I was doing things with pot and double albums by then, I'm sure in the and middle of And then you weren't drawing so many roses. Right. But this one, you know, was the rose and, and that was fantastic. And then the only album cover that really means anything these days is just because it's fun is this one, which is Nirvana, Nevermind. And everyone knows it's the baby in the pool chasing the dollar and you see his little winky there. And the reason I love this album cover more than anything else, again, talk about a transitional album. This broke the mold for rock just the way that sergeant pepper absolutely you know, changed things when nirvana came out that was when there ceased to be one unifying concept of a rock station and we all splintered into a million different pieces for better or for worse but the thing i love is when people say why do you play nirvana on q1043 and i say well <laughs> I do you know, know how old say. this baby is now <laughs> <laughs> this baby is now 27 years old and does, I believe, does graphic design in Los Angeles with the firm that he opened with his mother. And yeah, so he's 27 now. So why isn't it classic? It's a 27-year-old album and it's great. And it's guitars and it's drums and it's rock. So, but I love that album cover only for the the chronological, you know, waypoint of where's that baby now? And I can mark time based on that baby and his current whereabouts. The Nevermind album cover is such a stronger statement than any, you know, girls in bikinis or motorcycles. Like, not that it's not sexy, but it's been done a million, billion times. That cover, you went, you knew, again, you know it's an important album. When mm -hmm. you look at that picture, you go, and I, I have to listen to that. And I had that on vinyl and CD almost simultaneously. Yeah. Like, we got them. I think we got them both at the radio station. Yeah, and, it wasn't very. And that was one of the probably one of the last that got serviced on vinyl before vinyl became hip again. Right. Where now it's a souvenir, not not like please play this. 
Yeah, it was, Andrew, it was such a splinter time for rock radio. We had Nirvana, we had the Allman Brothers, you had new Eric Clapton, the the last vestiges of the 80s, you know, British synth, synth beat rock, you know, bands were still out there, you know, Fix and Eurythmics were going and... It was it was hair bands were starting hair had bands not yet morphed in. into grunge bands. Yeah, so we were it was kind of like Rock's tent was so big you almost couldn't run from one place to the other. And you had to be my whole mindset when I said NEW is you just had to be careful what you put next to each other. That you're not gonna play the eurythmics into One Way Out by the Allman Brothers. It sounds ridiculous. But I could make a case for Layla into Nirvana. You know, as far as guitars go, as far as the meaning of the won't get fooled again into, you know, into come as you are. Absolutely. I mean, those things made sense to me. So it was just interesting. Um, We're going through our favorite album covers from Beatles and in classic rock. Uh, Andrew, the junior member of this discussion. (laughs) Does this mean anything to you? So what is an album? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What's the coolest album? album cover not content but visually the thing when we i first said i want to do this with you what was the first image that popped into your head hmm um i'm not sure i think the first image that popped into my head was pink floyd's can we, why don't you try and guess which one i'm gonna say dark side of the moon no hmm. um animals wish you were here Okay. Nice. And this is my favorite. Oh, by, content, by the way, anyway. just a, a tidbit mm-hmm. that we learned from Storm back in the day, because that's the the guy on fire. Like that's one of his. Mm-hmm. Every one of those hypnosis Storm Thorgerson album covers, those were real. That man is on fire. Right. Yeah. yeah. Those the, the 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 even the last you know the beds on the beach they set up a thousand beds on a beach in somewhere in England and took those pictures. Yeah. They they did not fake their shots. They embellish them somehow, mm-hmm. you know, here and there, and they they clean them up and over. But, a little but that guy, that fire, was really yeah. a guy on fire. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, by the way, sub story about Storm: the animals. He really made this giant inflatable pig, right? And they floated above the Battersea Power Station. Well, it was a windy day, and it got loose. <laughs> so they got those shots. There's a there's a graphic image inside of the pig, like floating over London. It was. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> what it looked like. And they coil. They called. British Air and the Air Force went, um, okay, so this is not a stunt. It's we're shooting an album cover and a giant inflatable pi- No, I'm I'm not drunk. It's not a crank call. This is legitimate. There's a giant inflatable pig that is Yeah, listen, I'm not drunk, I'm telling you. And it wasn't until pilots uh, sir, are going, there's a giant pig flying over like Piccadilly. Like, yeah, okay, I told you that. I told you. So uh yeah, so I I think this album cover has been on my mind recently because my band is throwing around ideas for artwork. And I think this has happened before. I've had this idea of the guy shaking hand, the guy in a suit shaking hands with another guy in a suit who happens to be on fire. I don't know if that's influenced (laughs) by seeing the album cover or just because it's such an amazing idea when you think about all the interpretations of that. So I think that um, once again, Pink Floyd uh, created one of the greatest album covers of all time, 
And how are we doing this? Is it top five, or can I just yeah, mention a few? Yeah, but you can just – yeah, we, we're not doing it really chronologically. At okay. the end, we'll wrap up and do our top five with a quick why. Right. But, but by the way, just again, an elliptical thought – are you going to draw straws? Which one of you is going to get set on fire in order to do this shoot? I'm just curious. And we you need you any... around here, so make sure it's not you. Is Pete. there any stunt practice in, on your resume? I mean, um, are you made of asbestos? Made of asbestos. Oh. Um, so I, I have three that are kind of together, sort okay. of wrapped up. These are all covers that are notable to me because I didn't really understand what they were showing me. So the first one, Black Sabbath's self-titled album. So it's sort of like a nun or a witch, some sort of... Uh, Could be we both. think it's a woman <laughs> in front of some dreary house. Scary stuff. It looks like it might be dusk. There's, It's all overgrown. Um, of course, the first lyrics on the album seem as if to reference this. Uh, the song Black Sabbath was one that gave me nightmares really? after the first time I heard it. I think I listened to it late at night after bedtime. <laughs> and watched um, Psycho. And, yeah. yeah, it's one of my all-time favorite albums. And again, it's a cover that, because I had the CD, I never really looked at it that hard. I just like saw a thing, and it looked dreary, and okay, Black Sabbath. If you looked at it really hard, you'd be dead in seven days, right? right. Yes, just like the movie. It, it crawls out of the TV or something. It crawls out of the out of the album cover. And then there's two that remind me of each other. So one is Paranoid by Black Sabbath. There's a person in a helmet With the carrying a saber, and it appears like they're running, and it looks like 60s, 70s B-movie sort of special effects. And then there's another album by Soundgarden called Super Unknown. Yep. And it just kind of mm. gives me the same feeling. Again, it's a black background. It's a figure that's sort of uh Yeah, so you're into getting the willies. That it's the Soundgarden <laughs> cover definitely looks like a, a scene out of, you know, Twin Peaks part two yeah. of a time traveler being torn apart by it's the It's part dark of your forces. acid trip or yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. This is a scene from that. And I never actually noticed that the guy on Paranoid is wearing a helmet. Yeah. I, I love that you picked that one because my uh, you know, my eight-year-old son is a huge Rolling Stones fan. And we just bought him one of those briefcase turntables for, for uh, Christmas. Excellent. And, and I, I brought some vinyl home from here and so forth. But with his money, he wanted to buy his own copy of Sticky Fingers. So we went to the record shop in Patchogue, which is like a fantastic store that has a lot of stuff, but like most of those places, there's like one copy of everything, and when, yeah. when someone buys it, they'll order another one, and they had sold out of their one copy of Sticky Fingers, so he had to pick something else, and he picked that. He nice. picked Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Keep Z a close Zachary's he about to change. He <laughs> loves the song Iron Man, okay. and he brought it home. Just, just keep a close eye on that kid as he <laughs> so He said, all right, okay. well, Zach, that's great. We're going to play Iron Man for you, but I want you to hear a few other things. And I played the title track for him, and then I played War Pigs for him. And he really loved the music on War Pigs, and then when the lyrics started happening, 
um, not so much. It scared him the way that it sounds like you got scared. How old were you when you when you first heard it? Oh, uh, probably fourteen or fifteen. <laughs> okay, well, he's only eight, so you know. Okay. Have you, <laughs> have you know. checked him thoroughly for yeah, any like six 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 tattoos anywhere? No, like no, he just likes Iron Man, I and see. probably because it was in like. Not even in a video game, but in a video game that was in a video of that he was watching of someone playing that video game because that's what kids do these right. days. But uh, and then I played Fairies Wear Boots. Yeah, and he actually loved that song because musically, I mean, that is the thing that doesn't fit, right? Yeah. Right. Fairies yeah. Wear Boots is this loping sort of jazzy, bouncy thing. Yeah. It's not very metal, no. except that because it isn't very metal, it's extremely metal yeah. because it's on that album. <laughs> so right. And by the way, for all this. You know, incredible, like dark, uh, Aleister Crowley stuff. Ozzy just gave the greatest story that he and Tony and the and Geezer went to the, see some like crappy B Hammer horror film. Right. Come out, go to the pub, and they just like, hey, what if we were the horror movie Beatles? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, another round. <laughs> that could work. And you just, you know, you're trying to get out again. Like he said, the Beatles were everything. A, the message, but nobody knew you could have a career making music. That's what mm-hmm. you did at the pub on the weekend. To and make thirty years later, they were scaring poor Andrew. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you did in the weekend to make a few quid. As he said, you either went to university or you're idiots like us, and then you would go work in the factory in Birmingham, or in, if you're in Liverpool, you went on the docks. There's a third way. Yeah. <laughs> Not university or like being a factory worker, but you could make. Music is a rock band. Well, as he said, how could you not give that a shot? Because university mm-hmm. was right out, so we could always go to the factory, but you know, get make do in the steel factory, steel works. So, but. so you've got Black Sabbath, you've got Black Sabbath, you've got Soundgarden. Yeah. You have I, anything? Well, there's anything there's, on the lighter side. John Denver, a, greatest hits. <laughs> yes, but there's another point I want to make about the Soundgarden cover. Um, I always thought this was like an altered photo of Chris Cornell. Yeah, me and too. It, it doesn't actually look like he looked during hmm. that period in the early 90s. It looks like Chris Cornell in the audio slave days when he had the shorter hair. Interesting. So do we know who so that I was, is? I was shocked to learn that this uh, photo is called the Screaming Elf. <laughs> nice. <laughs> sure, why not? And so it's a distorted image of a screaming like, elf? A, like a model. Um, Ronnie Dio? Who yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, good call. Who had like Elvier's on. All right then. So Very on cool. on the lighter side, I have um, and I've mentioned Christmas with Andy Williams before. <laughs> and Murray, you have to. We can't see it on the radio. What is it? It's, uh, I thought one of you would oh say my it. God. Weird Al. Weird Al Yankovic running with scissors. Running with scissors. <laughs> nice. That is a fantastic nice. album cover. So the album cover is Weird Al in a. In a track uniform. But like old. On a track. Yeah. Yeah. Weird Al from 1999, long hair, no mustache. Like Richard Simmons shorts. Yes. 70s shorts. And he appears to be sprinting with two giant uh, scissors in in either hand. Um, Hilarity. I mean, that that tells you the story, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It also has... um, The album begins with the song A Saga Begins... The Saga Begins... Which of course is his parody of American Pie. Got it. And I can't hear American Pie without <laughs> hearing Weird Al's weird Star you know, Wars lyrics. He, that's that's he, something. He has done that to me. I mean, how often e, do we play another one bites the dust? 
And when it starts, I can't tell you how many times I think another one rides the bus. Always. <laughs> Always. It's, it's, it just, it's an earworm that goes into your head. Uh, we're doing album covers and our favorite. Okay, so as, we're, as we look down like the Beatles list, I said uh, Sgt. Pepper's was my favorite because of how much work it went. Abbey Road because of the meaning. Uh, third for me, it's somebody we haven't talked to, but it's somebody who first found them who is an artist back you know, in, in Germany you know, as they got to Hamburg, and he's the one who says, these guys are amazing. He had had a fight with his girlfriend, and he tells the whole Bohemian crowd in Hamburg, you got to come see these guys in the Kaiser Kelly. you got to go see these guys play, and that's Klaus Vormann. And he's a musician and an artist, and he loses his girlfriend to the bass player, to Stu Sutcliffe. But it's kind of cool because it's Bohemia and it's hip and we're all still friends and it's love. And he gets close with the Beatles and she takes pictures of them and comes up with their image. She cuts their hair. She, okay, you're wearing leather jackets, but don't just be James Dean with pompadours. I'm going to put your hair down. Don't just copy James Dean. Let's come up with a different leather jacket look. And that picture of them sitting on the old bus, that's her picture. So he starts doing graphic images, and it gets to Revolver, and the music's changed, and they say, Klaus, you want to do an album cover for us? So he does line drawings of the Beatles, and I got to talk to him last year at the Fest for Beatles fans. He came over. One of the most elegant, intelligent, wonderful men I've ever had the pleasure to meet. And by the way, talk to somebody who grew up at the end of World War II about where politics is in the world. It'll snap your head around, believe me. But he drew these pictures of the Beatles and said, too simple. So we found pictures in Life magazine, whatever, of the Beatles and cut out their faces and used their real eyes and inside the line drawings and gave it to him. And again, it's that thing where you look at this picture and go, that is as creepy a Beatles <laughs> cover as I've ever seen. It's always been the mop tops. Hard day's night. Hey, here we are in film. Here's the four of us hanging out. Here we are. Oh, we look a little tired on this one, but it's always the four of them. Now it's the Ex Exactly. Rubber Soul <laughs> is distorted, so we know there's something weird going on in Rubber Soul. They shot it on Mylar and bent it. Okay, I know that's going to be weird, but we get to real eyes in a line drawing. You go, okay, if you thought the last one was weird, <laughs> before you even put it on, and then we get Eleanor Rigby and Tomorrow Never Knows, and again, even as a kid, I'm thinking, man, this is a long way from Twist and Shout. And it just told you, those are the things about album covers. It tells you what's coming. Just as you said about Black Sabbath, it gave you nightmares. Just as your Zachary found out, as your son found <laughs> out, it tells you what's coming, which to me is cooler than a, a nice looking picture of the guy. Although... I will say this. It's one of my, again, I'm, we're jumping around, not doing it chronologically. One of my favorite all-time covers is Dylan's Desire album. So I'm a huge Dylan fan. And, you know, Positively 4th mm -hmm. Street and with Susie walking down the street, that's so cool. A lot of cool Dylan covers. But he looks like the coolest human being on earth <laughs> in Desire. The hat, the coat, the scarf. You sit there and going, wow. No Jewish guy has ever looked that cool in the history of the world. That is as cool as a singer-songwriter can be. I'm like, could I wear a hat like that? Nah, there's no way I could pull that off. Dylan could do it. And I just thought, wow, that's that's as cool as it looked. That was the one picture of just a guy where I thought, that's pretty cool. That's my 
That's my guidebook. So for me, again, Beatles, Sgt. Pepper, Abbey Road, Revolver, and then we get to Yesterday and Today, the original cover, the Butcher cover, as it was called. Uh, there was an artist. They found Robert Whitaker, and Paul was really into hip avant-garde. He's going to beat poetry readings. He's going to all the Indica galleries. He is the hipster in the band. Everybody's like, well, John was the hipster. But John's living in the house. He's kind of away. Paul's the one in London, swinging London, going to all the underground things, and finds Whitaker. And Whitaker asks them to do a conceptual photo shoot called A Somnambulant Adventure. And this was going to be uh, a group of people. Turns out it was the Beatles, but in like butcher smocks with holding up meat, bloody meat, and dead body parts. And Paul said, that's the album cover. Ugh. What? I mean, Paul, not John, not wise-ass John. You know, sweet, cute, mop-top Paul goes, that'll be our comment on the Vietnam War. Hey, let's kill some babies, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's what it is. And, you know, again, at this point, Capital going, well... I don't get it, but I didn't get any of it, so I might as well. <laughs> you know, when you acknowledge that you don't understand any of it all the way to Love Me Do, sometimes you go, okay, we'll go with it. So they release it, and the world, I mean, the world was just not ready for a Sex Pistols Beatles in 1966. <laughs> and the entire Western world collectively went, what? I No, no, my children are looking at this. They, what? No, no. I don't want to see this. I don't want to. They recall all the albums mm -hmm. they reek do you understand i don't know if everybody can grasp what we're saying a beatles album has been recalled by emi that that doesn't cost nothing that's that's serious coinage and it is it is if not the one of the most valuable album covers around that's it because uh, of the scare you know other than things that were like not mass produced right in terms of a mass produced album a the butcher cover yep. is worth hundred grand if it's mint. Yeah, I've something seen, like that. I there's online. I just looked before when we were doing yeah. this show. A signed butcher cover was going online on sale in England for four hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> and they'll get it. Yeah, they'll they'll get that. That's but it was that's signed by replacement one. Paul. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, we're we're absolutely high as a kite and we're exhausted and we'll sit around a a, a trunk. And you'll take a picture, and that'll be yesterday and today, and good enough. But they they never apologized for that. They they were let's push the boundaries, let's go for it. They were proud of trying it to do, but that, that was way and, past. And they it. wound up with such like a typical looking album cover. The one that actually stayed in the stores right. was such like a regular mid sixties. Yeah, singer, it could have been the birds. Yeah. It could have been if there were just like a couple flowers on it. Yeah, but do, have you ever looked at their faces? Did you ever see how stoned they are? Look at those four people. Pull up yesterday and today, and everybody listening, you four people that stoned. I mean, you know, the birds look stoned on their covers. Jimi Hendrix might look stoned. No four people are more stoned taking a picture than and those guys. There's no irises. Yeah, there's just... <laughs> it's all people. John, John Lennon's body is there, but there is nobody inside that body. Andrew, are you looking at yeah, it? Yeah. That's stoned. That's... Wee. I mean, Paul is not even looking in the same place as everybody else. <laughs> well, he thinks he is. Okay. And five for me, fifth uh, for it, is the anthology series. Hmm. And again... They asked Klaus Vorman, well, I told Eric Wellman this story, that Klaus told me this. 
he uh, Klaus gets a call from Neil Aspinall, the lady Neil Aspinall who is running Apple, who said uh, we're going to release all the outtakes and snippets of things and dialogue, and uh, calling it anthology in three separate sets, and we've got two cassette tapes that John left that Jeff Lynn has remastered. We're going to do a competition of like five, six artists to see what the album cover is. And Paul asked that you submit something for it. He'd like you to take a crack at it because of history. So Klaus thought, well, okay, what should I do? What do you do? It's an anthology and three different ones. So he pulled together pictures that he had and posters and album covers and put it up. He said, you know, like an old wall where here's the, here's the who's playing at the club and then it's half torn down and then there's another poster and another poster. And I thought it would be layers of images of the Beatles as if it was one of those old poster walls and parts are torn down and parts aren't. And that would be like this anthology is peeling back the layers of it. And on anthology one, on the top right corner is the picture that his girlfriend Astrid first took of them sitting on the bus and the one prominent picture is a guy who never survived it was Stu Sutcliffe, hmm. who had the James Dean hair, who was cool, and he made sure that Stu, the man who stole his girlfriend, was still featured prominently in there, and that is just the coolest, classiest thing in the world. And that would happen today. Yeah, right. Yeah. That would. And they. So is, they. Is that one? Is he the one who? I remember someone saying that Paul McCartney told him you have to have white space. <laughs> right? No, like, because yeah. pictures are right on top of each other. And so you can't, you, you have to leave some white spaces. Yes. Because that, you know, separates it. I don't know if it was for that, but was Klaus the one who, who told us that story? I or? Don't think that was Klaus. Yeah, because Paul always, you know, he had the eye for everything, Without always has. And he said, even if you're making a collage, you, there has to be some white space. Otherwise, it's too busy and your eye doesn't know where to go. Sounds like Paul, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so they tell Klaus it's a, comp it's a competition. He submits all this artwork, and he tells me, and I, I never hear from them, uh, nothing. Uh, you maybe have a decision? Uh, no? Okay. Uh, then I'm told, uh, come to the opening. We have the uh, re release, the uh, anthology in London. You come, we fly you. And I said, is it mine? I said, they say, well, come, you'll see. Like, okay, they're always doing that with me. So <laughs> I come, yes, I'll see what it is. Yes, it is my work. And very good, everybody, class, wonderful. And I I see Paul, and I, he says, oh, it's wonderful, I love it. I said, Paul, uh, I'm glad you chose mine. Uh, but I would like to see the other designs that were submitted. I'd like to see what other people uh, tried. And he says, what are you talking about? He said, well, I was told it's a competition. And Paul laughs and says, no, I, I was just fucking with you. It was always you. <laughs> was, and that's, that's how it's been, you see, since we were like 16 years old. <laughs> it's such a ball thing to do. Don't just hire him. Tell him it's a competition and who he won. <laughs> like just, just to do that to the guy. But again, it tells you everything you need to know about what's inside when you see all these different layers of beetles, help beetles, Pepper beetles, yellow submarine beetles, Hamburg beetles, and you go, okay, I know exactly what this is mm -hmm. going to sound like from the images, and that's what I think makes a great album cover. Just as you said, you look at the wall and know that it's going to be something. There's something, they're building a wall, and there's crazy stuff behind it. You know, exactly. it, it tells the story. Which of, you don't know until you open it. Right. That was why it was so br brilliantly effective. Yeah. Um, 
you know, are you uh, you have another one on your list there? Are you uh... no? That was that was my. It was Sergeant so, Pepper, Abbey Road, yeah. Revolver, Yesterday and Today, and Anthology. So like these four, I had you know picked out because I had stories behind them that, that you know how meaningful the art was and the music and and it you know they were they were points that in my mind when I think of vinyl, those are them. We haven't touched on any of like the the artists really, other than Gerald Scarf that you know to me are iconic and you know i don't have particular stories or memories about the music or the album but i know you know i know what i like when yeah, i see it sure and and frankly you know storm thorgerson and all the pink floyd stuff and you know as trite as it sounds dark side of the moon that simple prism with this the beam of light going through it and yep. a rainbow coming out the other side is you know it's a there's a reason that that is the icon of the greatest album you know, in yeah. the history of albums, you know, that, like that's that's <laughs> to, you know, in however, my top five, and it's yeah. we could reverse the order and change it anyway. He's, yeah, I'm walking my dog two weeks ago, and drawn across all the post post office boxes and the mail drop boxes, somebody in orange chalk has drawn the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing it was, it's not a man my age who got down on the ground and did that. You know, and that's I, I've, I thought about I've it. I've heard like, it ten thousand times. I will hear it ten thousand more times. I will see that prism ten thousand more times, and I will still be blown away by the the elegant simplicity of the, the graphic and the unbelievable complexity of the music inside of it. The um, by the, the way, other guy that we haven't touched on. Wait, wait. Oh yeah, go ahead. Thought to that when Storm Thorgerson was up here, and I said. We, we could spend two hours on this next subject, and I just say Dark Side of the Moon. And the first thing he says is, I've drawn, I've created all these amazing images. Piper at the Gates of Dawn, Saucer Full of Secrets, Adam Hart Mother. Uh, you know, Uma Guma. Uma Guma, which is incredible. That one's incredible. And I start to listen. And the picture as, within the picture within the picture within the picture, yes. but all the pictures are slightly different. Yes. <laughs> and he said, as I start to listen, Richard Wright just says to me, instead of one of those crazy pictures, why don't you just draw something? <laughs> and walks away because they're exhausted now. They've been working on it for four weeks. And everybody goes, yeah, just just draw something. Don't make us take a picture. Just, just draw something. And, there and everybody was like cranky. And I'm listening and you hear, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And the idea comes. Mm-hmm. An EKG. And look what he drew. My yeah. God. You, could you, with a pen and an art brush and, and some airbrushing, come up with anything more right. iconic? Well, the other guy that came to mind, and I'm sure you'll appreciate it when I mention it, because my, one of your favorite offshoot bands used him, but it was the original band that I think really was the breakthrough, along with some other folks, but Roger Dean, yes, who's done yes. all those Yes albums. Fragile, one of my all-time favorite albums. Yeah. Um, you know, the the, 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 the Hydras and the Dragons. And he the, created his own it, it fantasy was a, universe. It was, it was like the world of Avatar. Right. You yes, know, you're absolutely right. B- right. Long before that was ever conceptualized by anyone else. And like his artwork is just so instantly recognizable if you never put the up. word yes on the album cover and saw the picture you'd say oh that's a new yes album mm-hmm. and that's the greatest compliment and, and, you and then ever and then with asia as, yes. as well you know they kept uh they kept ties there and like his artwork to me has always been some of the most you know amazing album cover art um that that you'll ever enjoy um and then of course because you know the subject matter i think we all have to love the album cover for who's next <laughs> yes you know they pissed on a wall let's use that for the cover sure <laughs> sounds like a great idea <laughs> although you know the, the thing about that album cover it's cool 
But it's it, it's just a Who sort of being punks. Right. My Who cover that's t- number one, I think, of all time for me over Dark Side is Quadrophenia. Okay. Because it's heavy. It's black and white, and the physical album is heavy. I remember, Andrew, this is something I, you won't have. It's like saving your money, getting on the bus, going to buy it. There's only three copies left. Thank God I got one. And you're holding this heavy black and white album. And then this dark shaded thing, there's a young mod, uh, you know, with a, on a, with a Mac on a scooter. And he's not facing you. You can't see his face. We don't even know until we listen. His name is Jimmy the Mod. But in the four mirrors on the scooter are the four faces of the who. And I just, I remember, was going to listen to it with my friend Frank. That's how specific it was. <laughs> thinking... This is going to be something. I can't wait to hear what this is. And then you put on the music, and it is exactly in that world. It's the cover of a short story, of a novel, really. I want to add something about Dark Side of the Moon. Sure. Which is a little bit silly, but it's not insignificant. Um, You know, Pink Floyd is probably, when I was in high school, and I think it's still true, the biggest classic quote-unquote classic rock band among teenage boys right okay seeing the light go through the prism helped a lot of kids learn a little science it really did <laughs> yeah, true it helped you it's... learn the spectrum it helped you you know it's like hey what is a prism so what is that's that refraction do? what is <laughs> what is uh if black is the absence of light then what is white light well, remember the Pink Floyd album cover? Oh yeah, and that's your touchstone. And yeah. you know, it's it's at that age where where you're learning about that subject. How do rainbows happen? Exactly. Yeah, that's really no. <laughs> I'm really else. glad you mentioned it. It's really cool. And it, it, I think it speaks to how how especially that album has endured because over and over again, it gets to people at just the right time in their lives. Yeah, you're absolutely right. All right, one final great classic rock album cover that we haven't mentioned. And a band that did cool album covers but not known for it, but it's in my top five, Hotel California. Sure. Hmm. So, I mean, the Eagles, you know, like running down the road, take it easy, you know, nice and easy, strumming, beautiful songs, uh, lion eyes. And here's the Eagles with a Black Sabbath album cover with a hotel that looks scary and dark, and you open it, and it's dark and there's just a janitor, but nobody's there. And I'm like, an, an Eagle Sabbath album? What's what? And then you put on Hotel California and there's something, it's the thing that I don't know if I would have gotten it if I hadn't looked at that picture. The chord sequence of opening the song, Hotel California, is kind of creepy. It's minor mm-hmm. chords, mm-hmm. It's, a mi- it's a minor key, and a dark desert highway you're alone, and you have to stop for the night. That's very Sabbath-esque. And then we kind of get into the story about how California isn't 60s, 67, Summer of Love, California here. We haven't had that spirit here since 1969. And it kind of opens up into the story of, of that album. And I always thought, man, I never thought the Eagles would pull me in from an album cover, and that's what it did for me. Is that, does that make any sense? Did Absolutely. you ever hear it that way? Yeah. No, that that album is such a departure, yeah. you know, from everything they'd done. And, uh, you know, thankfully, because <laughs> it's, my, it's my absolute favorite from them, for sure. How come you guys always play Hotel California? <laughs> um, um, because it's really a great song and you guys really like it. <laughs> 
for by the way, for everybody who calls us and just email Eric Wellman, please stop bothering me and Maria and, and Jim. But you know, you the guy who calls and says, "How come you keep playing Hotel California when nobody wants to hear it, and you should be playing the Disco Strangler because that's that's the best song ever." So you and your friend Lou love the Disco Strangler. But the other 3 million people who listen to Q1043 really, really like Hotel California because it's a really great song. And could we just leave it there and you're for gonna, a moment? And you're going to remember the <laughs> album cover for Hotel California and the song that goes with it. Thank you. Forever. Thank you. And that's really what it's all about. That's us looking at Beatles and uh, rock album covers. Andrew, anything else to add? Yes, there is um, one album cover image that is, as of a couple years ago, painted in a mural on a building on Route 139 in Jersey City on the approach to the Holland Tunnel. It's David Bowie from Aladdin Scene. Oh, nice. And yeah. that's another one of the most parodied album covers ever. It's, it's probably the most striking album cover from Bowie's career. I don't know what the hell it means, <laughs> but it's insane. just it's one of those it's one of those moments where David Bowie was just the coolest person in the world, and showing and showing everybody that always was yeah yes. he always was and always will be whether you liked it or not. <laughs> Any final um, thoughts on album covers? Uh, I miss them terribly. I'm glad that vinyl is coming back because it's giving people um, a, a a really nice outlet for for their art beyond just the music. That has been missing for a good 20 years. Um, you know, when you had to shrink the stuff down to what is this, uh, five by five, a CD case? Yeah, and it lost. And then down to a two by two thumbnail for a computer. Um, it just isn't the same thing. And do yourself and the music a favor and go buy yourself, even if it's a cheap, crappy turntable like we got for my kid, is about 80 bucks. Go to your local record store and buy vinyl, and it will sustain and it will be, mean something in your life and you will have something to hold on to when the electromagnetic pulse comes and destroys everything else so <laughs> um it's the present i buy every friend every 20 something friend that my wife and i have all our actor friends who have only heard spotify and we buy them a cheap turntable or we buy them records and they can't believe it from from our, our gay friends who live for Judy Garland and buying them Judy Garland live at Carnegie Hall to rock to Adele. I mean, Adele on vinyl. I never realized how much I loved her because it was just, it was Adele, Adele. And when I heard it on vinyl, I went, this is amazing. Go buy vinyl. And listen to it end to end. Yes. You don't pick There's and a choose. reason those songs are in that order. Hang with your friends, open some wine, and listen. This is the Beatles Revolution album covers. You can always reach me about your album covers at ken-show at iheartmedia.com.